Welcome to the Road to Reinvention podcast. I'm your host, Sherelle Dorsey, tech founder, author, speaker, and networking connoisseur. After several successful businesses and what many would consider a life well-lived, I found myself struggling after earning all of my gold stars to answer the simple question of what's next. Once you've done everything you said you would do and then some, do you create just another goal? Do you hang it up? Do you pivot and show up in a new space? Do you do something you're passionate about and damn proud of? Or do you once and for all decide to put that kind of energy into your personal life and put the work aside? I don't know yet, but I have tons of friends and colleagues and people I admire that have tracked this same journey who will be joining us this season to bear it all. How they answer the question that left them puzzled after earning the highest of highs. Join me in tuning in to hear from those who learn to navigate their own road to reinvention. Welcome back to another episode of The Road to Reinvention. Today, my guest is Abu Fafana. He's a digital marketing strategist. All of you have seen him, his ads across Facebook and Instagram. And Abu empowers entrepreneurs to maximize their engagement with the digital economy through education as well as skill building. Abu is the creator behind the Power Your Launch Online Marketing Accelerator, which has helped over 10,000 entrepreneurs generate a collective $55 million in revenue. Abu is the host of the top-rated entrepreneurship podcast, Powered AF, and the author behind the Permission to CEO newsletter. With over a decade of experience in digital marketing, Abu is one of the most knowledgeable and effective strategists around. And today, I'm so thrilled to welcome him to The Road to Reinvention. Thanks so much for joining me, Abu. Absolutely. Abu, I feel like we met several times, almost, right? Lots of mutual friends, um, you know, being in adjacent spaces. But I, 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 think, I think that most of our most impactful conversations have really been about finding purpose and driving impact, especially when you've had such a big career your own professional successes. And now there's kind of this step back of like, there's something that in my episode with Felicia Hatcher, she talked about like finding your why or, or what is it that I want to do next or, or who am I? Like all of these kind of existential questions about, I know how to do my work. I know how my work has been impactful. But for me personally, how does this actually manifest in real life? And, and that tying into reinvention. And I feel like, You've publicly even shared some of those stories of reinvention, but talk to me a little bit about that search for purpose and how that shows up in your life. Yeah, I think that um, it's it's really interesting because it's really around like purpose, I think is closely related to identity, mm -hmm. right? Like um, you could find many purposes, but not know your identity. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been my story um, you can find your purpose through what you're good at doing. You can find your purpose through what other people tell you you're good at doing. Um, but that doesn't mean you have a self-identity. And so for me, I think that in most of my life coming here as a refugee, you know, so I'm already displaced and I'm in a whole new country and yeah. having to navigate that and, you know, being made fun of because of where I, you know, where I was from and, you know, being really, really poor and, you know, going to all white school, you know, and not fitting in 
and then going to all black school but not fitting in because I talk too proper. <laughs> and so there's this identity and crisis that's always been happening inside of me. It's still mm -hmm. something I struggle with today. Mm -hmm. But what masked it was I was good at things. So people thought that was my purpose. And that was a form of acceptance and validation, as I can Absol imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what let me in, right? That's what people got to know. They got to know my purpose. But when your purpose is tied to your work, do people actually even know you? Or do yeah. they just know what you do and what you what you provide? And so that's always been the, the biggest challenge between between finding or being purposeful in my work. Yeah. I think about well, I wanna I wanna back up. Being a refugee is like that's a really heavy transition. And having to flee a home country come to a whole nother country with a different culture, a different language. And you came from where and landed where? Yeah, so I came from uh, West Africa, Sierra Leone. Mm -hmm. And then we got to the States and our, one of our first landing spots was was Texas first, but then it was Philly. I grew up in, in Philly. In Philly mostly. Yeah. So very different culture. Yeah, completely different. Right, yeah. completely different culture. Being an outsider in so many ways. And you use this word, this kind of like um, identity crisis, so to speak. And I can only imagine new language, new culture, validation comes through what you can produce, right? And then going into environments where you are the majority and then where you are the minority or vice versa and being just, again, attached to what I can produce is what people value versus who it is that I am my roots, my culture, right. what I'm speaking at home, what I'm eating at home, and not being able to show that fully to the world. Mm -hmm. How how did you navigate that? Because that's, that's a lot to carry. Yeah, I, I think I didn't do the best job at navigating it. I think, and it's starting to show, right? Even mm. more so in my adulthood and when I have to deal with these things, you know, head on or um, you know, why I'm so distant from people or why I keep people at, at arm's distance. It, it's it's a lot. You know, my mom was never around because she had to go work to take care of seven kids. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, well, she didn't have any excuses. She just made it work where I don't even know. She probably dealt with her own traumas. Yeah. Right. Her own. And had identity. no space to have those conversations. A absolutely. And so for me, you know, now that I am still trying to figure it out and I've been really public about it because <laughs> People know me for the work, right? The purpose work that I that I've uh, been doing yeah. all these years. But when I share these things, they're like, "Wait a second! Like, but you do good work. Like, you run a, a, a successful company. Yeah. You have money. Like, I'm confused. Like, what yeah. do you mean you don't know who you are? You know, but success is not the absence of <laughs> of troubles and challenges, and we say you know tribulations and the things that you know as you referenced your mom. You know, and I think a lot about that, too. Now, my family, you know, weren't refugees, but in some cases, you know, came up from the South. Black folks from the South were refugees of Jim Crow and like blatant and violent racism and moving to the North. And I always tell the story of like my grandfather, like hopping off of a bus, you know, from Detroit to Seattle. Right. And North Northern opportunities were supposed to create more opportunities for black wealth. Right. But still only only being able to purchase in certain areas. And it wasn't until during the pandemic when all of our family conversations had to go to Zoom and I had to start spending more time on the phone with my grandparents that I started to learn their stories. 
And my grandfather in his 80 plus years of living who had never really opened up about his personal stories, right? And he was starting to say things here and there. Like, yeah, I would go to Montana and work. And, you know, I was the only black person that these people had ever seen. And they thought my hands were white because black folks on television were always wearing white gloves because they were singing and dancing. And they're like, well, why aren't your hands white? And these like really interesting things that I think very similar to your mom just worked. Right. Worked to take care of the household. Worked to feed the family. But never had the space to say and determine, hey, like this, this is this is hard. This is really hard. And I don't have any kind of outlet. Right. And then now you're sitting here today as a result of your mom's sacrifice, I can imagine. And the mentors that you speak a lot about um, when you reference your work, when you reference the thinking models that have helped you to become successful. And now you sit here today with now. I've reached this pinnacle. I've solved for the survival right. and the thriving. And now I have to do this other work. Yeah. This yeah. other really scary work. Yeah. And I think it is the hardest thing. Like, yeah, starting businesses and, you know, doing at the moment you think whatever that thing is, is, is the most challenging. But when it comes to like looking in the mirror, like that's the hardest mm-hmm. work because you confront so many of the things that, have happened in the past. And so, and then sometimes in the past, like those people aren't willing to have a discussion or conversation with you. So you have to figure out other ways to navigate that. And so I think for me right now, I'm like, okay, I found purpose. Purpose is a vehicle, right? It's just a vehicle that it changes. And we, we're not born with one purpose, mm-hmm. right? We're born with purposes. And like, you have to activate, well, which one in this season are you gonna be most focused on? It's hard to do multiple purposes all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think it takes away when you do multiple purposes. You're diluting the, <laughs> the experience of, of each of them, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I'm doing purposeful work, but I'm soul searching for identity at the same mm-hmm. time. And, and that's where that, that's sort of like the middle ground that I, that I sit right now. And I try to be as transparent about that, you know, on social media, to mm-hmm. my peers, to friends, but it's just another side they've never seen before. And so that's why it, it's hard opening up. It really is. Yeah. I think it's downright scary. Yeah. It's downright scary because, you know, the polish and the refinement is easy because it is almost a mask. It's a yeah. performance. <laughs> it's easier. Right? It's easier yeah, it's, it's easier, right? Like, you know how to do corporate you know how yeah. when the phone rings and you have that voice, right. you know, Hello, you know, exactly. You have that professional voice versus <laughs> right. the, hey, what's up? Where are right. we going? You know, sort of demeanor. And yet this this fourth wall, I talk about breaking the fourth wall. We talk a lot about that, like in theater and what have you. But you break that fourth wall. Yeah. You let people see you. And similar to you, like, I feel like that's where I'm in my journey right now. And that's where like that piece of reinvention is really interesting because when I think about the kind of following that you have, the people who know you for like one thing and are comfortable with you there, as you're starting to share and emote, who's coming along with you? And are there folks who are like, oh, just stick to, you know, just stick to the the marketing metrics, stick to the sales stuff. Like, I don't want to hear about all the other stuff. Like, like that's like one of my deepest fears is like, well, we don't, we don't know you in this, in this way. Right. It's like, I could imagine like child actors, right. You know, they don't get a chance to evolve and to grow into who they are. Right. They don't get to have problems. 
And then you see these like breakdowns, right? In their late 20s, early 30s. And so in what ways has like starting to share that like have been like the positive sides, but then also some of those things that maybe have validated some of your fears? Yeah. So in terms of positive side, you just see how much more people go through the things that you're going through Mm -hmm. and they'll write me like long emails and DMs and all that or, and so that, that, that's awesome because you know, you're not alone, right? Like as I'm going through it, sometimes when you're just in your immediate friend group, you may feel like you're the only person in the world that's going through it. But what happens when you share in a public platform is you connect with other people that say, wait a second, people you don't know, right? People that just read your message and say, wait, I'm going through something similar. But there is definitely a negative side of things, right? Like um, when people know you for one thing, they're like, oh, wait a second. (laughs) What are you doing? Like, this is not why I'm following you, you know? Um, And so it it sucks when you see those messages because you're like, okay, maybe I should just go back into my box. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what, what happens when you continue stepping outside of your box, you just attract a different crowd. And um, it's inspiring in a different way. And so for me, it's okay, I could be who people see me as, or I could finally be who I want to be, you know? And and I think for me, I'm stepping more into that, like, this is the way I am, right? And and this is where I want to evolve to. But most people are really comfortable with where they're at, right? And they think they're comfortable with themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think for me, it's just like, I have to not put a lot of stock into what other people are gonna like think or say about me, because regardless, people are gonna think or say stuff about you, whether you're doing well or not doing well. And so I just had to, you you know, there was this one uh, quote, I remember listening and it was from Floyd Mayweather. And one of the things, you know, he said that resonated with me on the interview that he was doing. He talked about how when he's going into an arena, because people are like, wow, people always want you to lose, right? Like people always want you to lose. And he said, well, when I walk into an arena, I can't tell the, the, the cheers whether it's a boo or it's a cheer. Mm-hmm. He said, all I hear is noise, right? All I hear is noise and I just walk into the arena and I do what, right. I, what I came to do. And so for me, end of the day, it's, it's just noise, right? I just, mm-hmm. I still try to perform the, the way that I, that I want to perform in a way that I think that I can. As you were speaking, I was thinking a lot about how you've earned your right to do that and how intimidated it can be as you are reinventing and and redefining yourself when you haven't achieved the levels of success that you've achieved, right? Like we can accept some people making a transition or making a pivot, but if you're like starting out, maybe you're in the middle of your purpose and figuring things out, things are just starting to take off. It almost seems like it's a luxury to be able to get to a certain space and say, okay, I've done this, I've made the money, I have the reputation, I have the validation, I've got the CEOs, you know, on text message and in group chats, and I've 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 earned all of this. And now I can kind of go back and from an existential perspective, start having these conversations, right? I think we see a lot of that with I, I remember when like Ariana Huffington you know, started Thrive Global and talking about rest and sleep. And folks are like, ma'am, <laughs> you know, you're a multimillion to billionaire. Right, right, right. Like, of course you can talk about rest and sleep because you can afford to rest and sleep. Me, yeah. on the other hand, I have a mortgage to pay. <laughs> and so I think there's, well, there's some, some, some opportunity and truth to say, we can't care about what other people think. A lot of it is noise. 
there's also, I think, this thing, and I don't know for me if it's just attached to like survival, yeah. where you've got to survive. And survival sometimes means keeping up that shell, mm. keeping up the persona so that you can get to where you need to get to. And then after, I can exhale. After, I can have the breakdown. I can have like those moment of truce on the mountaintop and eat, pray, love. Yeah. But until then, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to thug it out. Right. And I don't know if that thinking is is it's flawed or if it's right mm -hmm. or what have you. Um, but I'd love for you to kind of speak to that because you are in a different position compared to many of us. Yeah. And it's interesting because <laughs> I was just having this conversation last night with one of my, my uh, friends and I was telling her that. Like five years ago, she wished she had the problems that she had today, mm. but she can't even she can't even enjoy what she's going through because she's thinking about the next five years. So I would say it doesn't matter where you are, you're still always going to have these problems. She thinks that she can't take time off. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, but you got a million dollars in your bank account. She's like, yeah, but it, if I had 15 million, it would be different. Mm -hmm. So that person that has 5K in their bank account, they're thinking, okay, if I have 20,000, it would be different. Right. And I was like, would it be different? Or would yeah. you just want more? Mm -hmm. And so I think... You know, I think sometimes we lean on excuses mm. as to why we can't make time. And I was like, well, why can't you make an hour a week? Why can't you start there? But we just want it all. We want the whole cake, right? We can't start well, with Well, it like, feels like time is running out, right? Right, right. It feels like time. I'm only going to have X amount of time to be great. <laughs> and who knows what will happen? I mean, we were in a pandemic. Like, there's all of these... Sure. The earth is melting. Sure. Like, I mean, <laughs> exactly how much time do we really have, yeah. right? I mean, there's all these these kind of perceived threats right. that we have. So, so I think on, you know, I was uh, at a conference recently and the woman asked a question. I was on stage. She was like, if you had one year to live, what would you stop doing? Mm. Right. So if you had one year to live, what would you stop doing? The reason why she asked that question is because she was trying to identify what do you value? Because right? a lot of us, sometimes we're doing the things that we don't really want to do. We should stop doing those things. I'm not saying everything, but we a lot of times like putting additional things on our plate. And then we think we're responsible for those additional things. And so what are the things on your plate right now that allow you to have more time or that allow you to think about those things that you want to think about more? If you look at it in terms of if I had a year to live what would I stop doing? And I was like, oh, it's not. Like, when I heard that, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to you know, I'm going to start showing up for myself. I'm going to stop saying yes. I, I mean, yeah, I'm going to stop saying yes all the time. And so I started going through these lists and the things that kept boiling up, you know, there, there's commonality there. Mm -hmm. And so why can't you start implementing some of those things like the future you? Why can't you start implementing some of those things in the, in the current or the present? So that's what I would. Again, I know that there's a grind yeah. involved, right? I, I know that for sure. And there are going to be seasons where you are going to have to grind. But I always say, start with where you want to go and see what can I implement from who, I, who I'm trying to become? How can I start mm -hmm. implementing some of that in my present? And it's a hard exercise. It's a very hard exercise, yeah. right? Because <laughs> there's the, the tangible components, right? There's the like, you know, and um, there are a couple of folks who reference, but um, like Felicia Hatcher and I talked about like hiring a cleaning service. Like, does it, is it the best use of my time or my right. desire for joy 
to be on a Saturday cleaning my house, listening to Anita Baker, like my mom used to do back in the day. And that's probably not how I want to necessarily spend my time. Maybe I want to go to some museums or to the botanical gardens and to to learn or take a class or whatever that kind of looks like. Um, You did touch on showing up for yourself. Yeah. And I want to really expand on what that looks like for you. And I think a couple years ago when we when we hung out, um, and I think you had posted so so many times about like, well, which city should I live in next? Yeah. You know, like <laughs> where should I go? And you do these like massive sabbaticals. <laughs> and so it almost appears as though, you know, someone who's been v- getting very much in touch with yourself yeah. sort of has this on lock. But it sounds like it's an ongoing question that you're asking yourself. Yeah, it, it's it's ongoing because, like, I grew up in a culture where we thought of everyone first, right? We didn't mm-hmm. think about ourselves first. Our first few paychecks, you have to split it amongst the family. And so growing up in that type of culture, like, then when you develop other types of family and communities... You're o- they're always on your mind first, right? Mm-hmm. And so, well, for me, and so you're bending over backwards, you're showing up for everyone and you're exhausted. And I think for me, that was what was happening. I didn't really set boundaries to help myself in that aspect. I just just kept going like, oh, I got to show up. So I, I started trying to figure out, well, how do I show up better for myself? Can I have these conversations? I remember one time I went on like a like a 30 city tour and I and I had to get back for one of my friend's birthday. So I was in LA and I was like, all right, I'm gonna catch the red eye. And there was no direct flight into Baltimore. So I got to DC, then I caught the train and then I got there and then I got an Uber and I showed up to her birthday and she was like, you ain't had to come. She's like, you did all that. She's like, you, you didn't did have to come. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Man, and I was listen. like, yeah, I just had to be. She's like, Abu, you didn't have to come. Like, I know where we, like, I know our friendship, you know, like, you mm-hmm. didn't have to be here. And I was just like, dang, I should have. So now one of the things I always ask my friends is like, on the scale of one to 10, if you could only invite me out to one thing this year, how important is this for me to show up? And they're like, oh, okay, never mind. You don't really need to be here. Okay. And so that allows me to navigate yeah. because they know if they ask something of me, I'll come, right? Like, and so they because they know that of me, I always ask them that question. It's an okay question for me to I'm not asking because I'm like, oh, I'm like who all gonna be there? Kind yeah. of question. Right? <laughs> like right. before I say yes, like who's all gonna be there? Right. Yeah. So it, it's it's something that I'm I'm again, I'm still navigating around putting mm-hmm. myself first, but I'm learning that boundaries are there to help you, Mm -hmm. you know, not to keep people out. Because in my mind, I was like, oh, boundaries, you know, to keep people out. Especially coming from such a communal culture absolutely, as well. And everyone comes first and everything is for everyone. How does your family handle that? (laughs) I mean, going from, because I I imagine that like the still the core of your your core family, there's still a lot of things that you you've, you all have kept, right? And, and lots of operating. But I can imagine that breaking away from that a little bit, having different kinds of exposures, and then deciding for yourself, which values do you want to keep? Which yeah. ones do you want to modify? Um, how does how's your family dealt with your success? And then also, how's your family deal with who you are today? Yeah, there's a lot of friction there, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of friction with family, friends, close friends that became family because they see me as who they who I was, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's really hard because I'm completely different than that person. It's a whole different version. It's a whole different. So every time mm-hmm. I'm around, they literally treat me the exact and I'm like, I don't do that or I don't eat that or I don't, you know, hang out there. And 
And their mind, they're like, what? no, like, what were you talking about? You we always up, do this, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> we always do this. And then they think that my bank account is their bank account, right? <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's not, that's not how this works, right? Like, I'll help you out. I'll put you in position. But anytime it comes around conversations like, okay, let me help you get better so then we all get better. It's like, no, 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 no. Just give me the shortcut. Just, right, just right. you know, just write the check. Just, like, cash at me. or yeah. And so that... So a lot of my relationships with my family and close friends are almost like deteriorating because something new has to be built, yeah. right? Something new has to come about. And so how do you not, manage that? It, it's because um, it's like people say like, oh, you know, not everyone can come with you. And I think they're I think we say a lot of things in culture that sure. people don't really think about, but like words mean things. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like, you know, yeah, not everybody can come with you. But when folks are your family and folks that did know you you know, way back when yeah. and people you genuinely have a heart for and love and want to see win and you realize that relationship is no longer sustainable or viable, that is also a really challenging space to navigate. Yeah. It's almost like a death. It's it's a grief and a loss. Yeah. I think for me, what I learned is like everyone could watch. Um, everyone could get in touch, but that doesn't mean I'm going to automatically say yes. Mm -hmm. And now getting in touch, sometimes there's more There's more channels. <laughs> in order to get in touch, there's more it's people like in front of me. <laughs> there's more people in front of me in order to get in touch. But it is hard. And a lot of times I do feel, you know, alone, which is different than lonely. Like I could go around my friends and have company, but no, I feel like alone sometimes mentally because I'm like, well, what do I do here? Like I haven't been here before. And that's when I lean into like mentors and, you know, people who may have uh, be in similar situations to kind of learn from them. Or I, I started leaning more into like, what are the other things that I enjoy? Okay. Reading, right? Like, and so I start leaning into other things uh, but again, I'm an extremist. Once I lock into something, like I lock in all the way. Mm -hmm. And so thank God it's been positive things. <laughs> well, yeah, we have, we have a different conversation. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. Um, I, I want to reference you made this comment about how, you know, going around friends and family, folks want to treat you the same or, you know, want to do the same things. And in some cases, you know, you, you've evolved. And I always think about how I love that, like, my family doesn't treat me special to an extent because there's not a performance required of me when I am home. Like, I was just with my grandparents the other weekend. And there, there was no sense of, like, five-star anything. It was just, like... I'm gonna make you some eggs yeah. and we're gonna go to Cheesecake Factory for lunch and go to the Home Depot. So I, you know, it just was, and, and for some reason, like for me in my mind, that sense of normalcy mm. is so safe. And it's just so like, okay, as much as like my world continues to change around me and my work continues to change. And you talked about multiple purposes, right? And like that, like multiple purpose is, is taking shape. There's also a sense of stability in I'm just rel. That's what my family calls me. I'm just rel when I go home, right? I'm yeah. just rel. Um, and and yet I think you made such an excellent point there that there are some things that, you know, you may not, your family may not see you, you know, at all in terms of who you've become yeah. and how hard that can be challenging where it's both a safe space, but then there's also the like, okay, but these folks don't understand me. And now I have to build community fundamentally in a different way. Yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that. And, and, and again, I think for me, I have to understand like, what's the cost of my sanity, right? Like mm -hmm. I feel like over the last few years, I've been insane, like just doing things that are not only reciprocated, right? But doing things because I think people like truly love me mm -hmm. and, and, um, and I had to learn the hard way. And I think like many of us, we learn, we don't learn the lesson the first or the, the 10th time, <laughs> especially when it comes to family and close friends, right? It takes, takes a little bit longer, but I think that I just, I just had a, like boundary setting has probably been one of the biggest things for me to really get clear on. But there are those friends that, you know, I'm probably on stage like 99.9% .9 of the time. Like I could be at Chick-fil-A and someone will come up to me like, wait a second, you're a boo. Like, what are you doing eating Chick-fil-A? And I'm like, it's good. Like, <laughs> and so, but there are that, those you friends. You got that Chick-fil-A sauce, man. Like, listen. All right, there are those friends where I could, I could be around. It's very few of them, but they just see me as a boo. They're just like, hey, you trying to do that? Like, it's just, hey, you trying to go to Little Caesars? I'm like, okay, let's go to Little Caesars. They're like, they're like, let's go half. I'm like, all right, let's go half. $5.30, <laughs> I got you. It's just like little things like that because when we were all still younger, trying to cut, these are things that we're like, oh, once we get money, we're not going to eat Little Caesars no more. <laughs> no, and then there's some nostalgia, right? There's some right, nostalgia right, in right, there. Right. And so it's it's just... It's good having those group of people because it does ground me, but then I also have to kind of protect myself at the same time. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's such an interesting dichotomy, um, especially when we think about reinvention not just being kind of one thing and an evolution of like, oh, I'm dressing different, I'm eating mm. different or what have you, but I fundamentally have to think differently about my surroundings, Yeah, you know, whether it be because of stages or stages of your life where, you know, certain family members can have access and some and certain family members can't or, or friends or what have you. So you spoke about this looking in the mirror at yourself and you've taken a step back, you know, you speak about this a lot, you know, taking a year, just kind of like pull back and sort of like rethink your approach to so many aspects within your life um, and even really deciding what it is that you want. And now what does that look like when it comes to intimate partnerships? Yeah, I think that, um, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that want to know. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> listen, the ladies are waiting. <laughs> I, I, I think it's something that I am more open to. I think mm -hmm. in the past, one of the things I thought is that not until I accomplish this, then I can have that. I thought, you know, what society says, you know, man's supposed to be a provider. And so I thought I couldn't do both. I thought, okay, well, when I hit 100 million, but then it kept getting bigger and bigger, then I could finally, you know, think about family and, and things like that. But I think, you know, part of building wealth, some of the things I want to do is like, it's through family, right? It's mm -hmm. through having a partner. And so for me, I had to come to the realization that a person doesn't, inhibit you right stop you from getting to what you're trying to achieve and if they do that's probably not the person you correct should be in an correct partnership with. right <laughs> absolutely but it took me a long time to understand that mm. that there are people that motivate you differently that inspire you differently yeah. um because in the past a lot of the relationship was around what i saw which was you know toxic 
toxicity. It was around like bad relationships. So those are the things that stuck with me. And I said, oh, I don't, I don't want to be in a relationship. Yeah. I don't want to have a partner. And I think that's evolved over time because I think when I think partnership, I think compromise, mm-hmm. right? Like when I think relationship, because how I saw it growing up, I look at it as like ownership. Mm. Right, because a lot of the the relationship I saw in the you know community I grew up in, they weren't healthy. I didn't see the the best type of relationships. And so for me, partnership. When I learned about like, oh, I'm like a partner. What are you talking about? Like partner of a company. Like, right. and so I had to I had to relearn what it meant to be in a partnership with someone. Meant you are saying, okay, I'm willing to compromise in these areas. And so for me, I'm just. I'm navigating that. I'm trying to be more open uh, to that and and trying to find the right person. So that's going to allow me to, you know, feel like I'm not being slowed down or or whatever that is. You got to be an amplifier. (laughs) 281 DMs are open. (laughs) 8004. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Don't call that number. That's Mike Jones' number. (laughs) Call that number. (laughs) But that's real. Like, when did that click? You go from. I don't want this at all because past experiences have shown that like this takes away to now no, maybe my picker was wrong. And now as I am growing and building, I, I want to do this simultaneously because now I'm going to be able to enjoy it with someone who truly is going to be a catalyst to my growth. Yeah. And, and add, in ads terms, my targeting was off, you know, <laughs> you know, I just got it. My targeting fine, was off <laughs> and, <laughs> and I had to, you know, re go through my psychographics again and demographics and, you know, just refining my, my customer profile avatar, you know, and just understanding as I started to get more momentum, I started realizing when I looked around me and I started seeing better relationships, more healthy relationships. Like one of my mentors, I remember for his 50th birthday, we were all around, you know, all his family was there. We were around the dining room and they're like, all right, let's, you know, uh, say prayer. Everyone like puts their head down and like, I like peek up and for the first time, like, he's a black guy, black wife. And for the first time, I'm like, dang, maybe I do want this. Yes, this is <laughs> I was like, because I, I didn't see a lot of that growing up. And so I was like, maybe I do want this. So I think that was the seed. And over time, as you, you know, you, you're, you're starting to ac- uh, accomplish things and you're traveling the world and you're by yourself, right? Like, and it, it's just different when you have someone outside of your mama, you call like, oh, this happened to me, right? I I think that for me, I was like, okay, maybe there is something there, right? Um, And, but in order for me to get what my mentor has or get what, you know, what I think is a healthy relationship, there's a lot of work that I need to do on myself, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And I have to be okay with doing this work um, so that I could be better. It's not saying I'm waiting to get 100%. Right. Because like I'll never be a hundred percent version of myself. I'm always that awareness. Correct. Yeah. It's like I need to make sure that and again, you could do all the work on yourself, but it's not until you're around someone or with someone where you it, it triggers or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I knew there was work I needed to do on myself and I was honest about that. And so I think it makes me more open to date because I'm like, everyone comes with stuff, right? Yeah. You have to f- 
choose, okay, which stuff are you yeah. going to be okay with? Yeah. And I think it goes back to your point about meeting people where they are. Yeah. Because just because people have stuff, it does not mean that they are damaged. Correct. It does not mean that they are incapable of growth. Yeah. It's really just about that willingness and desire to grow together. Yeah. One thing that we had spoken about was about finding community. I think in several of our conversations, we talk a lot about, um, about community and creating our own safe spaces through community. Part of that, and I feel like one of the conversations we don't have enough of is how that plays into dating and relationships mm -hmm. and how attempting to bring in this aspect of our lives that is not about our work, our production, um, going back to that sense of identity being tied to your outcome and now having to find identity elsewhere. How significant being able to have like healthy relationships, you know, it, how, how significant that is to you and, and as part of your growth. But also like, how do you find that time when life is busy? And I'm sure that like most people would love to know that specifically from you. Like, yeah. how do you find the time, <laughs> you know, and, and, and how are you navigating that today? Yeah. Um, in terms of relationships, like intimate or just like intimate friendship? romantic okay. and then we can talk about you know the gotcha got, I, I feel like <laughs> you got the you got the key you got the magic sauce Listen. you done figured it out <laughs> you, you're the my, one that done figured it out and fire. <laughs> <laughs> and i think for me it's 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 a it's a challenge um and i don't think it's something that like, I, I just asked, yeah, I was on Twitter late last night, and I was like, what's the best way to communicate when people are busy? Because for me, the way I love communicating is like when people text me before they're about to call me, or they're like, hey, let's schedule time to chat. Like, I love that. Whereas when people just want me to call them, that's so hard for me to do. Because I'm like, oh, what if they're doing this? What if they're doing that? And then they're like, well, if I'm not free, I'll, I'll just call you back. But I'm like, well, that's inefficient. So now I go into the, <laughs> the operation. So I'm I was like, going to say, that's inefficient. Like, well, I need the right algorithm. <laughs> I just, like, look. I just, I'm just, boo just called no, me. It's, like, it's, it's I'm like, it's inefficient. I'm like, so why don't I just text you first? And then if you're not, you can tell me if you're free or not. And then we could. <laughs> I have a feeling you're the guy that sends, uh, what is it? Google Calendar invites for date night. I think that not See, all the time. Look, 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 not all the time. No, I'm spontaneous. And stuff it's like, like here's that. the location. Here's a list of activities, which I will say I appreciate look, because when your schedule is insane, right, right, right. right. A little pre-planning, planning out everything out. Everything's gonna be great. All all the favorites, and then you know that I'm listening because you're like, oh my, how do they know? Right. Well, it's because I I'm literally mentally taking notes, but I think I operate in a different way. So with some of my friendships, it works works great, right? Yeah. Because they're just as busy and they're like, okay, yeah, let's do that. They're more flexible in their communication style. Mm -hmm. I find when people aren't as busy, they're less flex less flexible in how they want to communicate. And so for me, it's it's always been challenging to just pick up the phone and call. Even my mom, it's just, I always text her like, hey, what are you up to? Then I, then I call. I don't know. Maybe it's how I want people to do for me. Yeah. But I do this for everyone, and this presents challenges, especially when it comes to dating. Because they're like, "What are you? What are you doing? Like, mm -hmm. it's not a business meeting." And I'm like, "What are you talking about? This is." And that's hard <laughs> because you start to treat dating like a business operations process. <laughs> 
which again is efficient, but maybe not as romantic at the end of the day. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Okay, but wait, you talked about like, you'll text your mom, then call. Yeah. I have no bound. Like with my mom, I'm like, I'm calling. <laughs> I'm going to call you at work. I'm going to call you at home. I'm going to FaceTime you. Like, mom, mom, what are you doing? Right. She's like, I'm working. I'm going to call you back. <laughs> I'll call you later. And it's like, I don't know if you ever watched that family episode. And he's like, mom, mom, yeah, mom. Like, yeah, that's how that's I am. True. I'm going to be annoying, like, until the end of time. Like, for sure. No, that's how my mom is to me. Like, she always called my sister, especially. She calls me like she's my mom. And she called me every day. And, Wait, uh, is she older or younger? She's older. Okay. Yeah, she literally. She, I mean, she raised me. I was gonna say, like yeah. the older sister, <laughs> like she. Yeah. You're essentially her kid. She calls me every day, but it's I don't I, I need I know I need to get better at communication, right? And meeting people where they are, right? That's something that I that I know I need to get over. Um, I don't know if it's like getting over myself or getting over like how to just better communicate. Cause mm -hmm. it, it is a challenge for me. Cause I'm thinking of all these scenarios. Like then I'm like, well, isn't it more efficient to just text? But no, but no, because not everyone's going to think about, or yeah. think about that in the same way. Yeah. And I like the idea of like meeting people where they yeah. are. Right? So I, I'm still growing in that area. I'm, mm -hmm. I am learning how to be a better communicator, mm -hmm. how people need. Right. Um, but yeah, so I'm still learning. Yeah. Still learning a Which lot. Which in and of itself is like a business process, right? Yeah. Because like you, of course, is someone who also has a team and, and has run a team and has been very vocal um, and open about, you know, scaling and taking your foot off the gas yeah. a little bit yourself and letting someone else step in to drive is so critical. And yet there's also the aspect of while you are kind of reinventing your idea as a founder, as a son you know, as a brother, all of these kinds of things, you also have to sort of reinvent your relationship with, you know, folks that you have to meet where they are, but help them to kind of build up. And I found that just everyone on my team is very different, different mm. personalities, different kinds of motivations, right? right? Um, different styles of, you know, I, I have some very type A's and then I have some folks who are like, I don't need no structure. Let's mm -hmm. just take it and run and having it to adapt to that to make sure I pull out like the highest level of performance that that I can have. Right. But that takes some time to yeah. sit and get to know people. Yeah. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that meeting where you are is also that studying of people in yeah. order to make sure that that relationship can be as effective as possible. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes I, I agree with that because, you know, my team, there's so many people that communicate differently and different hours, different time zones, different cultures. Yeah. And so it it is knowing, you know, who's on the team and, you know, what what motivates or how they best react to different things. Um, so I'm definitely, again, that's the area that I'm growing in. I think that what's challenging is that when people aren't willing to compromise and return, that's the challenge I find. And then I'm like, did you know what I just did? I just moved everything, you know? And so it's 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 hard. Maybe I shouldn't. And I was also having this conversation the other day. I have such high expectations of myself that I think that I place them on others. And that's my issue. Mm. Like I have to stop having such high expectations of people because I think that everyone could perform or at, at the same capacity, at the same level. And that's not true. That's why a lot of the, the best athletes in the world may not be the best owners or the best business owners, mm -hmm. right? 
it doesn't always cross over in every aspect. So I think that I need to see what other people's expectations are of themselves and hold them to their expectation. But it's really hard because yeah. when you're trying to get somewhere, mm -hmm. you have to have a very high discipline and very high level of expectation. Yeah. And so imagine going in and out of different zones of expectation. What's going to happen is you're going to match the majority of people whose expectations you're around. This is why you could be at a job and you start believing the people in that job. And you're like, well, I can't go out on my own. I got to stay here. Mm. This is the safest choice. And so that's what I'm almost always afraid of because I'm like, no, no, y'all going to have to match. Y'all going to have to step it up if you guys want to be around, around this environment. Yeah. So it's always hard going back and forth between different levels of expectations. Um, that's, that's also another thing I'm working on <laughs> as well. Yeah. You like a drill sergeant? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just, <laughs> I just very, I see a lot in, in people. Yeah. Because there was a point in time where I didn't see a lot of myself. It took a lot of mentorship to get me here. Yeah. And I see a lot in people, but, you know, I guess you can't want things more for people than they want for themselves. But it, it's so hard because I'm like, you're right there. Like, if you just yeah. woke yeah. up an hour earlier and put in the time here, like, you'd be where you wanted to be. But it's it's hard. It's hard. It's hard because there's a lot of mental barriers. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I think true to the overall theme, you know, of this podcast is on reinvention. And a lot of that is mental. Sometimes it's physical. Sometimes it's, it's financial. It's about how we think about ourselves. And I can imagine that, you know, as you mentioned earlier, like you could have been telling yourself this story. I'm a refugee. You know, I don't come from money. I don't have X, Y, and Z. Like there's nothing elite you know, about this storyline for most people. And yet your story of reinvention was I can do X, Y, and Z. And also this ongoing, like, I can create this. I can create Power Your Launch. I can create accelerators to help, you know, thousands of black women, like now become multimillionaires and build multimillionaire, multimillion dollar businesses. As we start to close out this conversation, for those folks who are afraid to take that next step, for those folks who, as you you talk about, kind of almost those law of averages, right? Like you, the, certain environments are going to dictate what the what the bar is, but it's up to you to like push past that bar yeah. and say, okay, yeah, this formula works well, but I think I'm capable of more. Yeah. Um, I think that I can write a new story. Um, what is your advice to our listeners and to our viewers who are not sure that they necessarily want to take that leap, but they fundamentally you know, have to adopt this idea of reinvention, this idea of reinvention to take that step forward? Yeah, that's a good question. I think for me, I had like, there's a level of self-awareness that comes about where you have to be aware of like your current circumstance and ask yourself the question, like, are you okay with where you are? Right. Or mm -hmm. is there anything else that you yearn for? And once you look at that list that you're looking at and where you are, and there's this big gap, that's like one aspect of, okay, there needs to be some level of change that needs to happen. Yeah. I've done it my way. My way's gotten me here. I think the second thing you have to identify are, are what are my go-to excuses? Hmm. You know, because people love to lean on their go-to excuses. You know, oh, I have kids. Oh, like, oh, that's a great excuse. People anyway. always blame it on their kids. I'm like, All your the life time. doesn't stop. All the time. And so <laughs> people have these go-to excuses. Oh, I don't have time. Yeah. But yet when they get home, they watch TV for six hours. Right? Mm -hmm. So people have all these excuses. So it's like, what is your lean on excuse that you keep telling yourself? 
because it's not there to hold you back. Once you identify what that is, it's there to set you free mm. from that because now you actually know, okay, this is what I go to normally when I don't want to do what. And the other thing too is I think people have this sense. So the third thing is, is that, okay, well, when I feel good, then I'll do it. Mm -hmm. But we spend so much time trying to feel good. Mm -hmm. People spend way too much time trying to feel good. And then when they finally feel good, they don't do the thing that they said that they right. were going to do. Well, because the good. dopamine, because when I'm scrolling and I'm inspired, but I'm right. four hours later, <laughs> I'm still scrolling and getting inspired <laughs> and not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would say reinvention is around awareness. Yeah. Right. It's really around self-awareness. Like you can't like reinvent to what from what? Mm. Like you have to understand, like, okay, where am I? You know, and where am I trying to go? So I think that's what reinvention is when you can identify the the of where you currently are to where you're trying to go and, and that gap that needs to be um filled in order to actually be purposeful, have self-identity, and yeah. be the 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 truest version of, of yourself. I love that reinvention as awareness. And that takes a little bit of silence, a little bit of quiet yeah. and some deep questions. Yeah. Well, Abu is always, it is always such an honor to be in your presence, to have conversations like this and to be in community with you as well. I appreciate you so much for joining me for the podcast. You already know. Thank you for having <laughs> me. This is an amazing podcast. I love what you're doing Thank you. and how you're speaking and activating inside of people. Some, some things that they may have had questions around or may have thought about, but this is like a great forum for them to, you know, really um, take inventory of themselves and where they are in their life. And I think you do an amazing job seeing your evolution from when I met you years ago when we were sitting on a panel to, you know, seeing the companies that you started, yeah, um, you know, the competitors you face and you're fierce and in, in what you're doing and just to see the entrepreneur, the business owner, but the human that you've evolved into and you continue to challenge yourself has been absolutely amazing. And I know everyone sees it, but the fact that with everything that you've done, you still take the time to say, you know what? Other people need to hear these conversations. Other people yeah. need to be in these rooms. And I, I think that's really a testament to your heart and, and where you. you're going. So thank you for, for having me. Thank you. I appreciate it. I think that you are such a signing example of like, we do not do this work alone. Like none of this is completely alone. So I appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to another episode of The Road to Reinvention. If you find yourself moved or feeling free after tuning in, make sure to leave a review on your favorite listening platform and share this with someone you know who may be navigating a similar journey. You do not have to do this alone. To hang out with me more, head over to join our Fluency newsletter at ShereleDorsey.com. Until next episode, may you embrace your need to recreate, revitalize, and reinvent yourself over and over.